Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome back to the Paula Price Show. This is Apostle Ashley, or as she has now revamped it, the Jesus and Paula Show. And I tell you, if you lift him up, not only will he draw on him, but he can snatch you wherever he wants to go. I'm so excited about what we have going on in our Paula Price Enterprises world. I almost don't know where to begin. So I'm going to start with today and work my way through the weekend. Today is Thursday. We are here with the Paula Price Show on the Paula Price Show. Go ahead and share this broadcast right now. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be powerful. This evening at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, Dr. Price is going to be a radio guest on the Bobby Eaton Show. Bobby Eaton is a actually a musician, longtime bass player, ran with some of the greatest musicians in um, in the business back in the Tina Turner days. He was part and then came back to Tulsa. And what he does now is he has a strong mentorship program with the youth. And he is connected to TCC, Tulsa Community College. Uh, their campuses, their various campuses, and probably other things in the city as well. But he, is, he has a show that he broadcasts, a two-hour show where they discuss issues. And so one of our co-homers connected to the community, she went out to distribute the suicide, the ultimate return on the death culture seminar flyers, which is this Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and I'll discuss that in a moment. But in doing so, she's made various connections in the community. And so the host of this radio show is going to have Dr. Price on for about a 20-minute segment this evening addressing this the seminar, promoting it, but why we need to care and what can we do to address this issue and bring about change, saving lives, bringing people out of depression, getting to the root causes of where we are with this. And so let's see here. We are hosting a four-hour seminar addressing ancient religions and rights on suicide, bullying and gaming, Attempted suicide statistics, media glorification of suicide, psychological evaluation of suicide, and more. We are going to end with a panel discussion really uh, hashing this out, but we are also going to address statistics and circumstances and various 
ways of how we got here. I think that's the question people always want to know. How did we get here? Because all of a sudden, it just seems like all of a sudden, things flare up. But did they really? Almost never. You can trace things back. So a lot of our research even goes back to the 1980s, 70s, 80s, about where we were then about suicide and where we are now, the introduction of social media and how that has changed the game <coughs> on a lot. Because what used to be contained by television and newspapers and things like that, anybody can just bypass that. We almost forget it's there. Oh, wait, the paper. I guess people just pick up paper. I lo- Look, I like paper. I like picking up a newspaper, picking up a magazine and reading it. It used to be if the network didn't show it on television that you really didn't know it was happening. We were uh, even talking about this several years ago with what was happening in our country, even with civil rights and in that era, and how different people in different parts of the nation had no idea what was happening. Well, we can't even fathom, (laughs) especially younger people, in life without social media. Well, how can you not know? I mean, everything is all over the place. Well, no, it's not back then. It was not. Things were very much contained. Sometimes regionally, neighborhoods, it was much easier to sit on information and hide what was happening. So even with a lot of this, these things have been problems for a long time. They've been on the rise for many years. But now with our access to information all over the place, we can find it. Come on, we all Google, did our research, copy, paste, print, 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 boom, boom. There you go. Didn't have to make one phone call. If I didn't want to, didn't have to call anybody's department to wait for somebody to get back to me to see if they could send something before next year. So life is is much faster, but our awareness is much sooner, and it's easy. And Prophet Adi actually made this statement in our session yesterday, when uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, when we were just thrashing through and sorting out all of our collective information. She said it's important to have the accurate picture of the details and not just something that is slanting toward one argument because it's easy to just pull information for the point you want to make but not actually depicting the full spectrum. And this is also why we are addressing ancient rites and religions. Why are we still here? How did we get here? What are things? Rachel and I were having this discussion today, right? Fashion industry? Yes fashion industry and, and, and how these fashion designers, they know it is their calling and purpose in life to push these, what we're just calling trends on society, which all tie back to a worship of a deity somewhere. Lady Gaga. I remember years ago, she said in an interview, I researched everything I put on. And she was wearing the meat dress and, and all kinds of just outlandish. She said, everything I do means something. They talk about being high whenever they write music, high whenever they're coming up with these ideas so that these spirits and devils can invade them and give them their creativity. Now people are honest. Before everybody used to lie. But now it's honest. They said, no, no, no. We go to Africa and we visit these rappers, go to Africa and visit the shaman and we get high. And they tattoo us. And we come back with all this power. You need to listen to Sunday's talking about that tattooing piece. We'll talk about that in a minute. But tonight is that information. We're going to post a promo after today's broadcast, but he uh, streams on Blog Talk Radio, as we do. 
So you can do www.blogtalkradio.com slash WFUNK, F-U-N-K, is his. And then there's a phone number, which we'll post as well, 646-716-5525. Again, this will be posted after the broadcast where you can dial in and listen. So you can listen online. You can listen on your phone. You want to dial in a little bit before 7. Dr. Price will be on for that segment. You might want to listen to the whole show and see what it's addressing as well. I haven't listened to the show before. We, I mean, I'm telling you, this thing, like, just happened. <laughs> so, and this is the Hero Variant with Dr. Price. Hey, we want her. We have billboards in Tulsa. I have to say this. I love this. So we started billboarding several months ago. And this is something that we've come around to several times over the years, but billboards are not cheap. And we have the digital ones. We have a company with the digital billboards. What are the ones where you see multiple ads running, but then you see them in multiple places versus the stationary paper ones? And Dr. Price said, I don't care what we have to do, we are going to do this, in essence, forever. You know, you start, you want to know. Are they effective? So after several months, now we encounter people, and uh, even with this, when our, our staff member sent Dr. Price's picture, he said, oh, yeah, that's the lady on the billboard. <laughs> oh, I know who she is. Now all of a sudden people know you because they recognize your face. Dr. Price's name recognition is, is hilarious now. We almost can't go anywhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, oh, yeah, that's the lady on the billboard on the highway. You work for her. Oh, wow. So what do you do? Profit and training Norm and I have had a whole wonderful dinner with people, business people in the finance district and everything in Tulsa because they knew who she was from the billboard, looked her up online, started watching, they watched the broadcast. Oh, no, she tells it like it is. You know, we need more preachers like that. You should have seen our paper like, yes, we do. We agree. Okay. And so now it's a running joke. Um, how many people say, oh, yeah, oh, this is the billboard lady. She's, now there are like hundreds of billboards. That's how you know. And every picture, she's in the red suit. So they recognize the lady in the red suit, that preacher lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm Kendra Brecken. Yes, she's really good. Yes, yes, she is. And, uh, and so Saturday is the suicide seminar. We will be streaming on Dr. Price's Facebook this whole thing. And then we are taking it down. And she said it, and she repeated it in Sunday's sermon. Don't think, I'll catch it later, that you're going to catch it later for free. We want to reach the general public, everybody out there, while this window is open, and then we're taking it down and putting it into our Paula Price Success Center, where it will be accessible but not for free, because this is a lot of valuable information. While we are broadcasting live, we're going to have our intercessors, our prayers, who will pray for you standing by, really sitting in a cubicle with us. But they will pray with you and for you if you are struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, attempts, and you need a lifeline, somebody to pray for you. We are only praying. There's no counseling. There's no therapy on these calls. There's no prophesying on these calls. There's no insight on these calls. It is Pereira, P-R-A-Y-E-R. Prayer. That is all. And no matter what you ask them, they're going to tell you the same answer. All I can do is pray for you. I'm here to pray, but I can refer you. If you want more, we have services. If uh, your the services that you require are emergency services, suicide hotline, we will have that information. 
as well. Every person who is praying in our call center will be well equipped to direct you to the right place for further assistance. But that is just for a prayer, not a 30-minute prayer, not even a 15-minute prayer. What is your prayer request concerning this issue? Okay, want to do that. Rolling on over. So this is today is Thursday, and then this is Saturday. Oh my my my! And then next week, da 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 da. We are making history for ourselves. We don't know about anybody else out there, but we're making history for ourselves. And we are having an online social media fundraiser webathon for season two of Taking It On with Paula Price. Because guess what's happening with season one? It is now on the NOW Network. Tomorrow, uh, let me think, let me get my times right. Eight, yes, clap audience. Indian House audience, clap. Yay! Tomorrow morning, 8.30 Eastern Time, 7.30 Central Time, she will be on. She is in the new lineup with Taking It On Season 1. So Season 1 is still getting mileage. We are, we are opening up into new networks, and we are going to keep this show going up until the trumpet sounds, okay, whichever happens first, all right? Trump Downing or something else, we're going to keep doing taking it on with Paul Price because there are many things that we need to take on. We are knocking on doors now and, and submitting information to people in the kingdom, in and out of the camp of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because people need answers. They want answers. And they do want answers from the body of Christ, even if they themselves may not be a Christian, but they may not want some of this other mess that's out there either. And so she started, I have to tell this story because it's hilarious. Apostle Nona texted me today, and she said she jumped up today. She was so excited. So why did she want to show? And she turned on the face and was like, who's this guy? And she said, today is Thursday, not Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Tomorrow, Friday. And we're starting from the beginning of season one and rolling it all the way through. So if you missed it the first time, you can check it out on the Now Network. However... This fall, we are shooting season two, and our webathon fundraiser is to raise the funds for production and broadcast. It's not enough to get it done, so we know. We've known we from our previous television experience. It's not enough just to record it. You need the funds to get it out there, and we produce an excellent product. I've said this before, and I will say it again. The church really gets chastised for doing cheap quality, but... High end is expensive, and excellence is not free. Or cheap. cheap. Not the top. Now, somebody from the top may do something pro bono a couple of times, but if you want consistent, ongoing those outfits, don't you pray for it? Aren't they super duper? Aren't they fly? Not free. Not cheap. The set, not free. Not cheap. But top quality. And it's a quality that you could be proud of. You want to invest in something where you could say, yeah, I was a part of that. And when it's seen in public, you don't have to say, oh, you know, act like Peter. I never do it. <laughs> 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 well, I, didn't know, I didn't know you were going to do that. No, nobody ever says that about what Dr. Price produces, and we're certainly not going to start now. So we're going to have the fundraiser. It's going to start on Monday. It's going to go all the way through Saturday. Broadcast times will vary from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. throughout the day. And then in the evening, people are going to watch all night, catch up on what they didn't see. 
on, on social media, we are going to take on subjects. We are staying in the theme of taking it on. We're taking it on with Paul Price's show, and we are taking it on. So we're going to take on culture, take on politics. Uh, we have people who are doing, a, someone who's doing a segment on food, in the kitchen, how to prepare, how to cook, hair care. So we have some fun things as well as taking it on. Non-stop, all the time. We will have prayer pop-ups with various intercessors and our prophets and apostles and prophets in training and apostles in training going live, praying for you. You'll be able to post your prayer request online, and we're going to pray like, like I do in the midnight hour, in the noon hour. We would pray when the sun is up. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> It'll be great. And so we're going to have all of that happening all week long. But you saw today, if you already checked out Dr. Price's live, if you are in Tulsa or will be in Tulsa, I want you to be a part of our live studio roving audience. We're going to be shooting here. We're going to be shooting at our church location. We're going to have live worship experiences and moments where you can enter in, even online. And we want an audience to be there. So people are already letting me know, yes, I'm available. Because this is exciting, this is thrilling, and it's our time. It's time for this message, it's time for the word of God, and it's time to put that devil to an open shame that, no, Jesus Christ is going to win, and you don't have to sell out to be the best. Yeah. Best. Exactly. That's what we believe. So stay tuned for so many things that are happening in the Paula Price Enterprises Galaxy. You know, I keep making this thing bigger. First of all, it was the world, she was global. Then we were like, this is enterprises. Now it's the galaxy. We're just intergalactic all over the place. And if you are in Sunday's sermon, then you will believe that's true. Because this revelation came straight out. It's like the, the portal of heaven opened. Boom. And down came the revelation. Sunday she ended up preaching, teaching, revelating on Satan's pedigree. And how you know if somebody you are following or someone that you look at in the mirror and it's you is a part of Satan's pedigree and not Jesus Christ. Because the now proliferated doctrinal belief is you can't tell me I'm saved. You can't tell me I'm not. How many of us have heard that a thousand times, okay? You can't. Who are you to judge? Now, the apostles did it all the time. The prophets did it all the time. Even with who's on the Lord's side, who's not. We, we started all this with the prophets. <laughs> and so here we are now still on the same subject. She addressed blasphemy in the beginning of the message. And she said blasphemy in Scripture was addressed to the Jews and not the Gentiles. Why? Because the Gentiles were already living a blasphemous life against the Lord. Revelation number one. I was knocked out on the front row. First 10 minutes of church, I was out. But you can't be out because there's a lot more to come. <laughs> you know, I bring myself back and think about it. She said the Gentiles were already living that. The Holy Spirit is your connector to God. So when someone, and she went through these preachers who are turning from God, turning to all this culturalism to grow their ministries and all that, that's blasphemy. Because after all the Lord did to clean you up, to fix you up, you're going to give the glory to the devil. 
that every day? We thought anytime we've heard of the examiner, well, you know, like that blasphemy.com, that's I blaspheme you. That's not blasphemy. Yeah, but that's making a statement. That's like somebody looking at you saying, I'm yelling at you. And they're not yelling. I don't think you understand what yelling is. Okay? I'm ignoring you. You're actually talking to me. So people talking about, I'm blaspheming the Lord. You're, no, this is just a statement. Now, yes, your life is blasphemous, but what you, you don't understand. And saints don't understand. She said, ministers turning from Christ is blasphemy of the Holy Ghost because God cleansed them and put his spirit in them, removing Satan. And then she said, hopefully. You know, I mean, he may have never been in there as far as we're concerned. The way these people jump in ministry and turn so fast, I'm thinking you were inspired, but not called. And she did a whole thing about that as well before. She said the Holy Ghost is in you as a sentinel, the guardian. So when you blaspheme him, you have slaughtered your new creation spirit. <clears throat> when you crucify, you neutralize. It hurts me. I'm just, here I am. Somebody help me. These fallen ministers are modern-day blasphemers, and those who follow them are blasphemers. What's that? Okay. Then she went on to break the seal on Revelation, and she said that pastors cannot give you a new revelation because God didn't give it to their office. Apostles and prophets are the ciphers. And I tell you what, when we have real pastors in the seat again, like real apostolic pastors, the real ones who know their, who know why they are there, they don't play. Real pastors don't play. Now, this washed down, watered down thing that we have today, and that's not even everybody, so we wouldn't say it's everybody, because that would be like saying every apostle out there is right. And some of our biggest problems right now are walking out with that title. So we know that can't be true. <laughs> but pastorally speaking, when a real pastor has a real grip on what they're supposed to do, they stay in their lane as protecting the house, understanding they don't get the fresh revelation from God. They can't give you new revelation. I love that statement because it wasn't given to them. And I don't know why in the office of the apostle and the prophet, all of a sudden when we say who we are, we can be accused of all these other things. But that's for another discussion. So our office, offices are to do that. She said God's encryption, see this right here, we talked about this in my Monday call, mm-hmm. that God's encryption are in your mind. That's why when a revelation hits your head, you want to go to sleep. And you should see it in church, especially when the saints are really new to the doctrine. She starts laying out that heavy word. Folk who are just on the ceiling are now face drooping. Amen, Dr. Price. Amen. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And she'll say, wake up! I command those devils to come off your mind. All of a sudden, eyes light up again because those encryptions in your mind to keep you out. She said, though, he wants to keep you out. He literally seals in your mind through religion. And your religion error spikes Jesus' truth. Ooh, man. Talk about a hard reset. When you first are introduced to this level of truth, it challenges all of your religion that you have met up until that point. 
You mean people aren't, not everybody is saved? What? You mean that the love of God is not, that's not actually what he meant? You mean that my sin could actually still send me to hell? Yeah. And on we go. And how he puts literal seals in your mind. Mm. People read their Bible every day but cannot understand it. That's a seal in your mind. Because you remember what Dr. Christ said, look, the same words in your Bible are in the newspaper. Well, I didn't accept for maybe some of those names. Okay? They're in your magazines, they're on your feeds, social media feeds, reading all of these convoluted things in culture and proud that you have mastered them. Oh, no, I sat down in the weekend. And I read. I read everything in the Harry Potter series. I've read everything in this, and I've read everything in that. And you know that book was 892 pages. But I got through it on my vacation. We get a break, and we are out of here. People look at that prophet dictionary, and you know how fake that is? Well, I had, a, I had a friend that said all the time back in the day, it's a dictionary. <laughs> I haven't found a lightweight dictionary yet. I mean, now they make them compact. The paper is so thin you can see through the other side of the page. But even that has a little bit of weight to it. It's a dictionary. This is heavy. This is thick. You done finished medical school, college, law degree, learn more Latin, German combination words that the average public can't even comprehend. This is so heavy. This is so hard. Give me a break already. Because the seals on your mind, I love how you said that, that religiosity in your mind is what's keeping you out of the deeper things of God. When she said, wisdom enters the heart, not the mind, talking about scripture. And we have headhunters. They are hunting God in their mind. Wanted to bypass the heart, soul, spirit, just I just need to get it in my mind. I just need to get it in my mind. And she talked about pedigree and how every other religion has superficial language. Fallen angels' temperament and preferences make for false religions. You want to know what the false devil is you're following? Look at the false religion. Don't know their temperament, their beliefs. Okay, so you're a homicidal one because we just have to kill everything in order to worship you. Okay, you're a thieving one because we have to steal and destroy people's lives in order to bring something to you. Oh, you're the nudity one because anytime somebody joins your party, all their clothes come off. Preachers, singers, Hollywood stars. Okay, so the trade-off to get that Academy Award was set. Okay, all right, so that's how you know. But, th- but see, we're ignorant. We are ignorant, and then we're rebellious in our ignorance because even when somebody tells us the truth, we say, I don't care. That's how you know you're not on the Lord's side. When you hear the truth, when it's read to you in truth, and you say, well, that might be, that might be there, but I don't care, you are not on the Lord's side. And she said, you cannot appreciate your salvation until you understand it's enemy. You are reckless. Talking about reckless love. We the ones reckless love. You are reckless with your salvation because you do not understand. You don't appreciate God's enemy. You don't have any value on his enemy. Appreciate means value. You need to value your enemy or else you will dismiss them and set yourself up to be taken out. 
How many times do we see it? They, they, they've underestimated somebody. That's what happens. How did that person win that? How did they come back and win that fight? How did they end up running that company and nobody cared because everybody slept on who they were? And that's what we do with Satan. Oh, you know, it's just that little devil. Oh, he just doesn't have any, you know, Jesus is Lord after all. And he just doesn't have any power. Oh, you just think, don't, don't focus on the enemy at all. We tell people, don't even acknowledge. Don't. Now, look, we don't worship him here. Like, you don't hear more about him than you do Jesus Christ. But we do let you know that he's a real enemy. We're going to show you his ways, show you his tactics, his maneuvers, so we're not innocent. And she said everything, and what she shifted into the pedigree piece, she said everything is about blood and the pedigree of the blood and that God's blood gives life because it's not fluid or liquid. God's blood tells the soul to make plasma for the body. And that God's energy translates to our chemistry. And you know how that is true? Because saints who serve God with their whole heart, especially for a long time, they look fantastic. Forever. Does anybody, somebody recently said, does anybody age in the congregation of the mighty? <laughs> now, we're going to tell you, yeah. <laughs> but then when you go back and look at pictures, you're like, oh, you know, maybe not as much as other places. <laughs> but that energy that stream and the joy of serving the Lord. Serving the Lord with gladness makes all the difference. Anything that you do begrudgingly is going to wear you out. But when you are happy and you are happy serving the life source, she said when you pass from death to life, all of the mortal codes in your soul are about to be replaced with new creation codes. <coughs> and we know because in Genesis, and, and this has been addressed with Dr. Price, it's been addressed in Wednesday Warriors, whenever Adam, when Satan entered Adam, all those codes changed from life to death. And so now we have to kick the devil out and bring Jesus back in. She said, when you pass, oh, I think I read that. All right, Lucifer corrupted his own spirit. He didn't have a tempter. You know what? I thought, this is the truth. This is truth. He didn't have a tempter. We are worthy of salvation because we have a tempter. Who tempted you? You are in heaven. That was your own idea. He came up with his own ideas. Nicholas was found in him. Oh, what's this? Yes. Let's have. Let's just have iniquity all over the place. And um, he did not have a tempter. I'm telling you what. These are the things that we do not think about. First of all, what happened in eternity was, you know, who knows? Only God knows. And it was a long time ago. And this is now. Why are you looking back and just keeping moving forward? That's not the New Testament and God's love. Right. And she said, we have Mount Olympus because it's Satan's imitation of the mountain of God. <laughs> That's all in that fallen angel, that devil can't do anything original. Well, because you're you're working on you you can't create anything. So, which is why when you even uh, legally pursue a patent, it is so expensive to prove that to prove if you actually invented something new or repurposed what already exists. So, when you go for patenting, you have to prove that X amount of percentage of what you're using is not borrowed, used, 
or so close to something else that it's really that product, just maybe with a different name. Very important, very interesting. When you know, when you roll with Dr. Price for this song, you find out a lot about a lot. And then this is the funny part when she talks about Thanos is mentioned in scripture. Now it's free for death. So she said, Yeah, I know who Thanos is. Y'all think I don't know. And everybody started laughing. Dr. Price knows who Thanos is. And she said, Yes, every now and again I get out of the convent. <laughs> she, you know, we leave the venery. We leave and we actually explore within the kingdom. And it was hilarious. She just wish you guys were laughing. So you can hear like, Dr. Price knows about the Avengers. <laughs> you know, guys, really. Yes. And we actually have a television in the house. And it turned on. And there are things that we know about on television. But that was hilarious. The moment was hilarious. And she said that Satan is Lucifer repurposed. And we talked about that in my small group call as well. That, that struck some good nerves. Satan is Lucifer repurposed. And prior to Satan, there was only one will, and that was God's will. But they obviously had a choice. Because once he made his decision and those that followed him, now we have two options. And uh, suicide is not in God's realm because death is not there. Oh, but wait, there's more. But you know what? I'm going to end right there on that. <laughs> because we could go on and on forever. You just fell in love. It was good. So it's available. You can go online and buy it. And you want to buy it, so I'll edit it up. And it'll just... I cannot explain the importance of having this word written in you. Listening to it over and over yesterday, I was listening to my Bible when I was driving around, and then I was listening to a sermon. I was listening to the Bible, and I was listening to a sermon. Because you have got to shore yourself up, build yourself up, but put the works behind your faith. You can't say you believe in something and then not do the work to prove your belief. And then cry when you don't get the proof. You see other people, they're changing and they're doing this and they're doing that. But your works, your works, I got a button here. I'm going to push this here button. There we go. But your works literally define your faith. Oh, I like that. See, what people don't realize is that folk can't read your heart. We barely have mind readers living on our feet. People cannot read your heart, but they can read the works in your heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's what we don't realize. Because we're like, God knows my heart, but that's great. God has the ability to know your heart. The rest of us got to look at your act. You know, years ago, you said, I think it may be a time to control your mind, which is the predecessor to uh, 3D and everything. You, you said this, that about the heart. And you said, I mean, we can't lay your heart on an x-ray machine and look at, look at it like we can your physical one. Well, even your, your x-ray machine, your MRI, they look at the picture of the organ right. and what it's doing. But that heart that is re- releasing or moving you to act, you know, emotions are moved to act. Mm-hmm. Emotion. Yeah. So we can't we, we have to look at your, the motion of your actions to understand your heart. So if your emotions are 
of vulgarity and perversity, then we have to conclude that Jesus' word, out of the abundance of your heart, comes. So when we look at your actions and we lay it against the Creator, and we lay it against the Creator who became Savior, and so we can talk about all day long, well, God knows my heart. No, God knew your heart before he put you in your mother's womb. So that's not news to God. God knows your heart. He knows your genetic tree. He knows your pedigree. Yeah. He knew that before you knew you had a pedigree, before you knew you were a person. God knows your heart. What you don't recognize is that God sought to save and inform and safeguard his church by, lift, by defining in Scripture all of the things that can happen in your inorganic heart. Mm. Isn't that wonderful? That is. Just give them one last statement on. Uh, uh, no. I know, because you know she thinks that you know this woman bless her heart. People did not start dying until they exercised Satan's option. <laughs> you want to talk about fruit in your life? And if you always wondering why you end up in a certain place, I think we should start checking and seeing whose options you're exercising. <laughs> you know, a great way to not get an STD is to not have perception. Oh, but that's the word of God. It's oh, wow. Outside of marriage, which is why outside of marriage, we have all kinds of problems with sex. The way to not have a pickled liver, it's not drink. It's great. Wonderful. Wonderful. I saw a friend last year. We're the same age, just about. Haven't seen each other in a long time. He looked at me and said, how is it that you have an age today? Mm. And I have. Yeah. Two different life choices. All together. So all that sin that, you know, sometimes people just have to work out of their flesh will work its way to the surface of your flesh. Mm. Okay, they can kill your body, but the best version of you is hidden in Christ. <laughs> to choose life is to choose Christ, and to choose Christ is to choose life. Choose life that you may live. Now, we used to, I'm going to harp on this. I'm a worship leader. We used to sing songs of preservation in Christ. Being hidden in Christ, choose life. <laughs> okay, we used to talk all about He was the way, He's the truth, the blood. You know how many songs we have about the blood of Jesus before the year 2000, late 90s, early 2000s. A worship trend shifted, where music began to sing about our thankfulness to God about our families, our daughters, our wives our churches, our ministries, and there was that very subtle shift that was broadening the genre because we were so restrictive in Christendom, so not diverse. So, you know, there's diversity of style, and then there's diversity of message. Because you can listen to another style. I'm saying what, some of these people are preaching, rapping the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, running that word up and down to a beat. And then some of them like, what are you saying? And now, even in the contemporary river, it's like, what are you 
Did I hear that on the secular radio on the mall the other day? Where do I? You know, sometimes when I get confused about where I heard a Christian song, I know it's not really Christian. Because they don't want they don't want the power to hold it up. No, no, you're on a Christian label. Yeah. Well, you're just on our street. You know, people cruise Christian street. They, you know, people they, cruise they cruise them. You know. But you know, I wanted to say to you about something that's important, and that is, um, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to ask you all to do, a, I'm giving you a homework assignment. I want you to do a deep dive study on the word lewd, L-E-W-D, lewd, L-E-W-D. Now, I want you to do a deep study on it, because there are a lot of things you believe are okay, and you believe are your liberty in Christ. So that you feel you can do this. For example, the perversion of the passage that says, you know, all things are lawful for me. Yeah. And then we drop that like the, the whole verse is the one that statement. <laughs> but Paul said, but not everything is expedient. So do an, a deep study on lewd, on law, and on expedient. And I want you to be prepared to share that with us when the Jesus and Paul show returns. Because I want to hear what God says. Because I guarantee that what you have here from the pulpit, from these self-appointed ministers, from these, you know, I would like that, these priests or ministers of demons. See, if you study, I don't know how many of you are Bible teachers out there, but I'm going to challenge my prophets, and I'm going to challenge my apostles to study Jeroboam from Kings and Chronicles. Because if you study Jeroboam from from Kings, you won't find out that the high places were for demons and devils. And so, you you know, we do a lot of study. You hear people talk about the devil. They don't talk about the devil accurately, you know, which Satan doesn't care. He don't care if you're accurate or inaccurate, you know, because um, accurate means to cure the error. So he doesn't care whether you cure this error or not. But you need to understand. Okay. What happened? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Give me a definition. It's landing. Oh, so you need to look. People say, Dr. Price, how do you become, how did you become what you are? I never bought into the lie. But as a little kid, I would not follow the crowd. I'm going to tell you right now, I wouldn't. Nothing about the crowd impressed me. That's why people are from Sunday. I'm like, uh, but no, we don't know much about it. No. When you are a change agent, you cannot follow the chain link of a crowd. <laughs> See, I always wouldn't do it. I, I, I've said to you before, when my children wanted to do fad, I wouldn't let them. They probably do fad more as adults than they do as kids. And I wouldn't let them because my attitude was this, and I had nothing about I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. I was doing all kinds of all matter crazy. Um, but I told them, I need you to be able to think outside the crowd because the crowd defines you, and whatever defines you will also destroy you, or it will recreate you. And so I never did. So you, you know, I have a problem. Like today, I told you, I don't wear jeans. I don't. I hate jeans. I'm sorry, Brother Levi. <laughs> I hate jeans. And do you know why I hate jeans? Because I hate anything that is going to be seen 500 ways before I get through a debt. You are hard pressed to get through a debt and not be drenched in a sea of blue by people who say they're being themselves. Oh uh, yeah. 
I was in an airport. I think we were in France, Spain, one of them. Okay. And I, you know, they had this area where there was a. I, I studied genes, so I understand that the whole root of the gene movement was rebellion to break rank and to break rank with with modesty and to break break rank with dignity. Because remember, genes started out as farmware. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the farmers wore genes. And so I'm, I, I, we're up there, we're in Spain, and I'm, I'm looking down because we're passing over. And I looked down, and I was so upset that I didn't bring my phone out. And all you saw was a sea of blue behind. And I thought to myself, does anybody realize that there is no individuality in this? You might get the gray tone shade and the, the whatever shade, but I, I see, I said, no matter what airport we went to, you know what I said? I said, that's why I won't do it. I refuse to be that much like the problem. And I never did. I was always, I'm terrible at that. So bad. Even now, you know, they have to help me. But Dr. No. Mm-mm. So I don't wear them. And when I study genes in Wikipedia, I realize that it's part of a rebellion movement and all rebellion in culture and in society is about taking down the church of Jesus Christ. So I think it's disloyal for me. I said me. And you go home and do what I, and the fact that they can charge you a hundred, five hundred thousand dollars for ripped farmware. That says a whole lot about what they think about you. And the fact that you pay says a whole lot to devils about what they can use you to do. And then you bring your little raggedy vagabond wearing farmware because rips and tears. Well, it's true. It's a vagabond spirit. Well, that's what it meant when we were younger, that you right. were poor. It meant you were poor. And so the rich have always taken pleasure at mocking the poor and mocking the weak. Tattooing is mocking those indigenous people. It's a mockery because it's, ter- it's literally prophetizing off of something that people cannot help. So you have wealthy people paying whatever they're paying, which is, you know, to me, I, I, you know, I think it's ridiculous. So I never wear I will not wear You won't see me wear jeans. And you know what? It doesn't matter because people really can't help. But you know what I care? I care about the fact that I at least stand out from that sea of blue. I was so surprised. Do you remember when we were in Spain? Because, you know, Europe is, they, they, Europe is on steroids. So everybody being like everybody else to be yourself. You either like everybody else or you're yourself. You can't be both at the same time. And so, and I look at that. I look at the, the, the fashion, fashion based on your inability to be yourself or to feel comfortable not being like everyone else. And half of them, you heard they said they're drugged out of their mind, and devils come up and give them new ideas to strip the human being. Because everything is about stripping humanity and stripping humanity to destroy humanity. So I'm, I, you know, I'm just not, I don't, I, I'll never trust that. I tell my church, so they can't go to a conference and come and say, right? If they go, because my people don't, they don't, you know, I have a, a few weaklings that got to float around, you know, they want to be the bubbles in the sky. But for the. <laughs> They just want to be, you know, they're floaters. They want to be in bubbles in the sky. But really, I've never had that. Um, people who float and, and whatever, no matter what, they float through life anyhow, so amen. So when you have 
people who say that, you know, um, I have to go and do something else. We, you know, we have people that say they don't get fed with me. I'm like, are you kidding? Then you need to feed it too, because you don't. Because I have enough on my table to fit in the appetite you want, what you want. We got that. But the people, when they, when they go, they can't bring me back fast. They cannot. First of all, I, I, I tell them in a minute, we have a, we have a rule. I need you to trace it before I chase it. So they got to go and tell me, where is that coming from? Who did it? Do I trust them? I'm not doing it. So I will always be a distinct church. I will always be dignity. I will always be different. And I will always be for the God Because you know what? That's why I exist. And I, I like that. See, if you can declare your identity, and then you can express it and manifest it, and men look around and can't find it, then you can call yourself safe sex. You know, so wearing ripped jeans to church on Sunday, that's slavery. Because anytime you have that many people doing it, that's enslavement. We Christians are enslaved. We are slaves to Jesus Christ. Indeed. And so there are Christians who want to be slaves to Satan, slaves to factions, slaves to the world. I am not going to do that. I'm going to tell you right now, when I, I, I live like hell, I'm going to tell you, I, I surely did. I engaged in whatever, and I did it on my terms, the way I wanted. You know, which I have always been. My mother always said that about me. She said, but you know, you always going to do it on life on your terms. Did not know that that meant I was going to be an apostle. <laughs> she got it for you. I said, no kidding. I'm, I would do, no, and I wouldn't do it. My friends would be out doing all kinds of things, and I'd say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. i never forget they went to a, a concert with, a, a, at that time, a very, um, very uh, well-known uh, singing duo, and they invited them back to the room, to the hotel room and everything. They were all excited. Paul, are you coming? I ain't going. <laughs> Don't have anything that impresses me. I think God knew he could use me because I never had an idol. Never. I think I was my own item. I'm with you, and I had to break that. I'm going to just kill that. That's why we get the top bill. Yeah, <laughs> kind of work for it. But I never had an idol. You would have never come in my room without a picture on the wall of anything. Nothing. I wouldn't do it. You couldn't find nothing. I, I beat dogs to death. I'm telling you, a dog couldn't survive in my room. I beat them to death. I, they didn't matter. And I realized, because I asked God, well, God, how did you know that I would do this? I mean, how did you know? Because, you know, all you see is this is how I am. He said, because you never worship anything. So he had a lot of room to get some worship, because I worship nothing. Not a boyfriend, not a girlfriend, nothing. And I'm telling you, I used to cry about it, because I said, why why things don't hit me like that? They don't affect me like that. You know? I used to really cry about that. Because I kept thinking, but they just, I mean, they would fall out on the floor and floss and turn around. And I'm like, you look stupid and they don't even know you down there. So, and, and so they came back, they went to Jim Finson's, they went to the guy's room and came back and told me how wonderful it is. And I said, so what y'all do? And they literally told me what they were, what they did. And I said, you see, ain't nobody getting this for free. I don't care how much money you make. I was, at that time, not yet have met Jesus. <laughs> And he paid dearly for me. Uh, he paid with his blood. He paid a high price for me. Because I'm a high price purchaser. Purchased by the blood of the Lamb. I never did. 
my kids would have stuff on, and I'm glad I'm put it up there because I had so many other things, you know, because of what your argument is. But I'll tell you right now, I don't. You come to my house, you do not see a home. Would you see some flowers, maybe? I do like the lion. I do like the lion. The lion's my friend. But I never did. Nothing ever struck my heart that it would make me give up my stuff or belittle my stuff or surrender myself. But Jesus, nothing. And he did it the first day. It took him five years. I'll never get this person. I'm going to change this. Now, you know when the Almighty talks about he's going to tame you, you got something, and I want you to know, all in 30 years, he tamed me. And he still tamed me for himself. So it's easy for me to say, I, I never had an idol. So I don't have one. So I can easily see this problem with idols. My, my. And I can easily see his problem with idolatry because I had friends that did all kinds of things for trinkets. Trinkets? I was coffee without the blood of the Lamb. But never, never. I was. I was constantly without the blood of the lamb. So you know, give me the lamb's blood. I'm priceless. I am so priceless. Why? Because it's your identity is about your attitude, and it's about your self-perception. I don't see people needing to like me because we all wear the same kind of bridge. See, I don't see value in that. I see somebody getting value from it, but I don't see it. I don't see value in and and just doing things so that so because somebody else's fantasy has made it to the top ticket. See, I will not do that. I don't do I do God's vision, but I won't do a devil fantasy. I just won't. I'll do God's vision all day long. What you know Jesus give me anything yes he gives me anything he bought and something. But not that. So we know God never had a problem. Like even when I was in the cult, I was not in the cult because I cared about them. I didn't care about them. I didn't care about I had a problem caring about anything. That was really bad. There's some of us. There's some in my in my presence right now who can relate. You have somebody has to say, okay, cute here. All right. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what this one was worse. Cute here. All right. Okay. I lost my mother. Faith. Go sympathetic. Because I just didn't have that. That's what I got from the cross. Mm. The ability to care. And to love and to trust something. I trust nothing. My childhood took that away a long time. But I trust this man called Jesus Christ. I trust that he's Lord of all. I trust that he is the creator. See, God didn't just teach me the Bible. People think that. But remember, God communicated scripture when there was no Bible. Right. Yeah. And God persuaded people of the scriptures when they couldn't read. Hallelujah. Thank you. And can you just put this up on the wall? Why is this happening? I'm in. It's your screen. Yeah, but it comes up on anything. But I'll go. I'll go and act like I don't know. Oh, bless the Lord. And then there was. And so I'm saying to you, the reason I make a good change agent is because I never, ever live my life within the grain of the world. I've always gone against the grain. So I just found the grain. The grain of wheat falls to the ground. Let's just die. I got that grain now. And so I literally followed the Lord because it just likes you. That's okay. I'm feeling my earth. But I don't think it's 
on the show. So I want you to understand, if you're going to be pedigree Jesus, you're going to have to stop meeting Satan. If you're going to be pedigree Jesus, you're going to have to stop being defined by Satan's pedigree. You're going to have to train, or trade off your pedigree because everybody born in the planet is somebody's pedigree. That's just the way it goes, you know? But you have to decide that he is it. And you have to decide that you want to, if you're going to lose your soul, you need to lose your soul to the soul maker. Not the soul destroyer. So there are some things we have got to start doing differently. And I realize I have always thought different because I never felt, now I can't even tell you that I didn't have insecurities because, you know, you do. But my insecurities were not severe enough for me to take on somebody else's inferiority. Insecurity. It was, I had to learn to make things work. Because to me, I was okay. Now, the work of the cross, thank God for the cross. And all the people say, thank God for the cross. Thank God for the cross. Honey, because the man did a work in me. But he left the thing that would be useful to him. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. I was always stubborn, obstinate as a day is long. So God said, ooh, that's great. I'm going to get fed after that. Yeah. See? Mm-hmm. So, and, and talk about resisting, I'm not doing it. And I don't care if I'm crying or whatever. Why? I just never saw life the way people saw it. And I never saw life that desperation and destitution, you know? I mean, I look at a lot of these women and what y'all do to get some man to just wink at you. And I thought, man, talk about pitiful. Wink? You, you strip your body, walk around with the ugliest part of yourself, swinging and swaying in the wind for some guy to say, hey, baby. And that's all you are worth? Oh, no. We need to have some class on female identity. Yeah. Because your identity does not come from the external. It comes from the internal. It's how you do your life. And I realize that some of us, you're, you're, you know, you were raised by horrible parents and very insecure and inferior-minded parents, and they can only pass on to you inferiority. But it's time for you to grow up. When I was a child, I told as a child, I understood as a child. You are no longer a child. You can't keep using your childhood as an excuse for your immaturity or to anchor your inferiority. You've got to decide, I'm better than this. I don't care if you don't feel better in your heart. Then if you can't find it, and you look for it in Jesus. You know, you're better in Christ, and Jesus Christ came to life. Do you realize Jesus is the only God that came for life? Every other deity is about death. Why? Because they're, they're literally spawned by the doom. Satan came to earth doomed. He didn't come like, oh, I'm on a mission to earth. He went on a mission. He was, in, he was sent to prison. That's why he does so well in prison. Because he's a prisoner. Earth was his prison. He couldn't get out of it. And you, and, and, and you need somebody who can say the truth. And tell you the truth so that you can stop believing the lie. That's what apostles do. Apostles start with God's adversary and God's enemy and then his issue. Pastors start with your salvation and making you feel good to stay in their pew. So they're going to tell you all the wonderful things about salvation. That is their job. But our job is to keep not the congregation but to keep the ecclesia so that it will keep the congregation. Because the ecclesia is not the congregation individually. 
It is the congregation. It is comprised of the congregation. The, the congregation of the body of Christ, those local they are fell in the ecclesia. And so it's the, the, our job is to keep the cells healthy. You know, all of you all who like to fuss and fight and talk down cells and carry on because somebody perverted it. The church needs to realize that just because somebody perverts something doesn't mean it was a bad idea. It was just badly executed. And you need to separate that which is badly executed from that which is detrimental to the purposes of Jesus Christ. You cannot be an apostle, a Christian apostle, quote, unquote, and have anything standing beside Jesus Christ because he said, I will have no other God beside me. That's in place of me. That is in my stead. That is alongside me. God does not share his sovereign throne, his eternal throne. He may literally delegate pieces of his sovereignty, but he will never share because they're master. Because if anything fails, then he just goes and make another one. Huh. You understand that when you are when you are in Jesus Christ, there's no such thing as you being you you being without a course. It's like okay, so that didn't work, and, and and then he has so many things he's rejecting from himself. You know, I'm gonna write a book on how to how God knows sin is sin, and I'm gonna tell you how God processed sin in His world, which is why we are compelled to that template. Oh. See, we act as if we are a, but that we are some, we're creating a new archetype. Right, right. But we're not. So God has two prototypes Jesus Christ and Lucifer, who became Satan. Those are his prototypes. You don't have any more. You don't need any more. Because when you have a good, uh, when you have a good, um, what do they call it? A good beginning, a good source, you never have to do that. You can. Literally rely on that source to keep delivering and keep delivering until. So Jesus Christ is God's prototype for all creation. That's why it said in Him all things consist. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love this word. You know I can do this word because I don't just deal with the print. I deal with the person who wrote the author. So in Jesus Christ all things consist, and God said, without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. So God takes his pervasive self and he extends it to his portable self called Jesus Christ. And in that portable self, he dumps every bit of who he is in cellular form, in seed form. And in Jesus Christ, those seeds become being, become Entities become institutions, become life. So I don't have a problem about how Jesus did this. You're not going to talk to me about Jesus and Zeus. Zeus beat his wife. Jesus didn't beat us. Thank God. He should sometimes. But he's faithful. He called us his faith. Because we work as nothing. But you have to understand, there is no comparison. Now, Jesus has sons and daughters who time messed up a little bit, and I would like to read you. Let me find some glasses. This matches the red jacket that I'm not wearing today. (laughs) 
But you can see that I have one. <laughs> Red jacket. I want you to go with me to Second Samuel. I want to show you something that you should know about God, because we're going to talk a little bit about God's law. And I had it on my screen. You can't find it, so I have to do it this old-fashioned way, as uh, Apostle Asher said, with paper. Tell me. Yeah, I still need paper. Because, you know, when the Internet goes down, you still need to read your Bible. Hallelujah. And, uh, oh, yeah, you better know where to stay up. So I want to read this. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 7 answers the question of law and grace. And we're going to talk about that here. But David had finally, um, finally finished building his kingdom and his house, and he had looked out his window and he sees the Lord's tabernacle. And God didn't have a house. And he decides, hey, you've got a house. And we love to preach this. We've all heard it, and it's been preached, I think, very eloquently in some cases. And so there's a piece to this that has to do with the population. See, we always want to deal with the property. And we want to deal with the prophecy. But there is a population piece to everything God wrote. His population are why he does it. God created the earth to be inhabited. He made the earth first so that when he made the population, they have a place. He had the garden, and then he put man in it. So you need to understand how our God works, how we think. So if he's making you a place, you feel like you're out of place because he has to make the place to put you in so that your purpose for existing is fulfilled. How about first evidence? So David, and, that, and it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, so you got to start everything with the prophet. See now, I dwell in the house of Cedar, but the ark of God dwells within curse. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with you. And, it, and here's what's important. Nathan did, Nathan operated as David's prophet, and he prophesied the obvious. He literally decreed what was obvious. He has by now seen that God is with David in a way that he has not been with anyone else and that God doesn't deny David anything. So Nathan didn't even bother to ask God because he was running on the norm. And the norm was what David desired, David got. So you have to recognize it because I just gave a word to prophets. To a lot of you all, you gave prophecy to people that you witnessed God was with. And you made it carte blanche. You gave them carte blanche as if God did not have one or two points of variation or deviation from his norm. And, and so in many of you, I'm going to set you free. Let's read this. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with you. With me. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, go tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places where I have walked with all the children of Israel, say I 
a word with any of the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people. Israel says, why build ye not me a house of cedars? So why don't you build me a house? He never told anybody to do it. And he said, frankly, it never crossed anybody's mind to do it. That's why David could be said the man after God's own heart, because David had concern for God. He had concern for God's existence in the planet. He cared, he literally cared about what God was living, what God experienced. See, you all today could talk about being Christians all day long, but you don't care about what God is living. You don't care about what he's losing. You don't care about his experiences. You don't care about his hope. You don't care about his dream because it's all about you. But if you're going to be a minister of the gospel, if you're going to be an agent of the Godhead, you've got to care about what God is experiencing and enduring. And so David realized he and God had gone to war. And if you read Acts chapter 2, God, David saw God fighting along beside him. So they have relationships. I mean, they have bonded. They've gone beyond, you know, maker and, and, and uh, creature. They've gone beyond pottery and clay. They've even parents, dad and whatever, or, you know, monarch, sovereign to some songs. They passed all that. They're at a point now where they, God is letting David into his soul and letting David see his heart and, and, and bringing David into his memoirs, visually. So David has bonded with God in a way people wish they could. We say, we always talk about, you can tell how we are always at our level. We say, Abraham, I'm a friend of God. Yeah. But David and God became one. Abraham may have been God's friend, but David became God's genetic. How do I know that? Dr. Price, how do you know that? You want to say it, don't you? Because Christ was in his life. David so won God over that he became the human prototype of the incarnate or soon-to-be incarnated Messiah. God took him out of Abraham, brought him out of the 12 tribes, brought him out of the 10 tribes, put him in Judah, and then put Judah in his royal strength. David touched God, and he touched God. Moses touched God. They touched God because their issue about sin, like now, their issue about sin was not oh, but I don't want to sin, and I don't want to be wrong, and I don't want that impact. I don't want to be deprived. They issue us, God deserves better than this. People ask me, why is it? Because I believe God deserves better than the mess we've given us. I think he deserves better. I think anybody that's going to give up their life and, and, and go through all that it done and look at us in our mess all the time, making up his mind before we get to the plane, if he's going to forgive us. I think he deserves better. You can't stop sinning because you don't think God deserves better. Verse 8, now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepfold, or sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. Do you see what these pastors are doing? Do you see what these leaders are doing about them? He takes them from nothing. And as soon as he gives them power, they give it to another God. 
and I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thine enemies out of thine sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are on the earth. You don't see, you can't read that. So in your own Bible, like the like the I, like the deity of the Gentiles made of their great men. That's what they're actually saying. In the same way that the fallen angels made their human represents or human counterparts great, God said, but I did that with you, David. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness assist them anymore as before time. When, when you have hit that place in God where you and he connect and where he knows you feel him from the inside out. See, we say, I feel you, I feel you, I feel you, I feel God. I get it, I get it, I get it, you don't get God. But when you hit, when he finds those people that feel him, that live where he lives, that are not walking around bitter over how he brought them to their prestige, to their dignity, to their renown, when you can forgive that, then God knows he can tell the enemy, stand down. He can back down the devil in your life. That is why when people have stood and withstood for a long time and then they, they finally get their opportunity, hell can't do anything but peek in the window. Huh. He's looking around, trying to find a crack in the hand. Like Job. Job, there was Job so pleased God, Satan couldn't find the way in. Oh, somebody wants to hear I don't know who you are today, but God is saying, don't turn for me because truly I'm worth the threat, I'm worth the fight. And don't listen to those devils around you because the Satan never wants to give up the territory that God preordained for you. Yeah. I got to hit something. This thing is a thing. Come on, hit that. There we go. I got it covered. Okay? See, so David had passed every test. And at the end of the test, he was not, I'm turning on God. Well, I'm mad with God. Well, I might as well serve sin. Well, I don't know what that's all about. Well, I'm sorry if he could do me like that. He didn't do that. He said, when God did that, and he, he, he passed his test, the first thing he thought about when he was done was, okay, now how can I do something for the God that put me in this place? What can I do? When you read David's writing, what can I give unto the Lord? I'll take up the cup of salvation. David understood. That's why we know David had the soul of a king, because he understood what his king had to do to put him on the throne and to assure that he would be there, he'd be safe, he'd be loyal, and he would be powerful enough in the flesh to keep what God was entrusting to him. See, that part, people will put you on the throne. You realize people try to make Jesus king. You understand that. So folks will put you on the phone. So you look around these ministers and you say, oh, wow, they're great, they're big, they're bad. And you can keep that, but men will do, men will praise you when you do well for yourself. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people are in power, not because God put them in power, but because God didn't hinder those who were exploiting them with their power. See, a lot of people are in their positions, not because God put them there, but because God didn't stop them from getting there because he needed them to be placeholders. 
2020 is the replacement of the place of God. That's part of the hard reset. So anyway, he says, um, and so he says, the wickedness, when I set you in your place, the wickedness cannot afflict you. Now, he will try to give you dreams. He'll try to give you false prophecy. He got a bunch of lying prophets, you know, uh, Nehemiah next them. But you have to stand on the fact that God says it's over, then it's over. And when it's over, hell can't do anything but bemoan your success and watch your prosperity, influence, and affluence walk past them into your sphere of life. That is the word of God. You need to know that. And, and, and since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people, Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. He didn't say, I'm going to build you a house, David. I'm getting ready to make you a house. See, that is why God is coming after these preachers, because God made them a house for the generation that they're to produce or attract. And they did produce them, or they did attract them, but then they perverted them. He said, I will make thee a house. He said, and when the thy days are fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. So now the prophecy has gone from being David natural to David eternal, which is Jesus Christ. David is how Jesus Christ took on the, the, the position and the status of king of kings in the earth land. King of kings over mortals. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so what does it say? When Jesus pours out the Holy Ghost, we become the holy habitation for God. And he sets his throne in our hearts. So Jesus, we are the house of what? We're the body of Christ. So God is talking to David, and Nathan is prophesying at the same time to the David, to the Christ seed in him, because prophecy first comes through the seed. So he's prophesying, and he said, and I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, now, look at you now, we're moving now, think about it. So Jesus has David's throne. And David's throne, if you read Psalm 89, was not just on earth. It was in the heavens. And so he had, Jesus had David's throne. Jesus already had David's genetics, David's pedigree, royal pedigree, which is why we are royal offspring of the Godhead. So he has his pedigree. He has his throne. And now God is speaking to the population that are coming out of Jesus' body. No, I'm gonna lay down my stuff. I don't be proud of my stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> Hi, I gotta finish. Yeah. Okay. Eternal seed. Eternal seed. Go. Woo. And so think about it, because why am I going this way, Doctor Price? Why are you going this way? Because I'm telling you that what you've been taught about law and grace is short-sighted, and that the law. What is nowhere near the Ten Commandments. But even if it were, Paul says the Ten Commandments were spiritual. Because they came out of heaven 
by the hand of God who is spirit, written on a mountain. So they were not written with pen and ink. That came later. So there is a law, he said, it's spiritual and it's heavenly. There is a law that, that, that exists, pre-exists humanity, pre-exists creation, because law comes from the preference and the desires of a king, of a son. So here we are in, in, in Samuel, and he's starting to say, now this is how I'm going to govern the population of spiritual David. See, natural David was governed by the law of Moses. But eternal David is governed by the law of eternity, the law of heaven. So he said, so look at how it shifted. He said, I want to reiterate, he said, he shall build a house for my name. So Jesus is building a house for God's name. So we are named after the name of the Lord. Paul says, and the, we are named as, as by Christ after whom all the family of God in heaven and earth is named. Mm-hmm. See, we, uh, that's why I love being who I am. And, and, you know, me, the prophet, I can get into this thing. As an apostle, I get God. Let me say, I get God pre-earth existence. That's why I wrote before the garden. So here we go. He said he's going to establish the throne of his kingdom. Well, Jesus doesn't have a throne on earth. And again, like I said, if you read the opening verses of Psalm 81, you will see that it was always about God's eternal kingdom, that God was doing something in the realm of monarchy, in the heaven that was different. And he literally imposed Jesus' divinity. Sovereignty, the vivid throne in the midst of the thrones of the fallen angels. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemy your footstool. He says in Psalm 2, I will make my king higher than the kings of the earth. You cannot be in Christ and deal with a mortal law. Because the mortal law doesn't apply to us. We are now, because we are born again of the Spirit of God, our pedigree, we are royal. That's why we are a nation of kings and priests unto our God by Jesus Christ, who is the progeny, the progenitor, rather, and we are his royal progeny. Does this speak to you all? So, when we are talking about, yeah, but that's under the law, and this under the law, and that's under the law, that's not what he's talking about. And Paul knew the difference. Romans 7 is Paul letting you know, oh, no, 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 Moses' law may be inadequate for you because now you are not dead, you're not doomed, you're not mortal, but don't get, don't get it wrong. The wages of sin is still death because God has a law that affects your soul. Oh, my God. See, the law of Moses affected your flesh. Yes. But the law of Christ affects your soul, and the soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's getting better. And then he says, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Now, that seems weird since Jesus came as the incarnated son of God. You realize that, right? But he was the incarnate son of God through the Godhead. The humanity was not in him. 
He made us, but he has yet to beget us to get us out of his spiritual self. So now he's saying Jesus is tracing him. This is his pedigree, tracing his parentage back to the Godhead. Born of God. Born of the Son of God. Born of the Spirit of God. And so he said, if he, now God likens our misconduct to Jesus' misconduct, which is why Jesus has got to come down on us because we need to know he doesn't bless. And so, now hear this, because this is the law of God. This is not the law of Moses. Understand? Oh, Shaleka, I got to hit something. This is not the law of Moses. So I want you to understand, the law of God is different from the law of Moses. The law of Moses is the law from God, for flesh, for earthly, for the mortal, for dooms. But when we are born again, we come under the law of God and the law of Christ. And now the king, we have no earthly king. So the eternal king, our eternal sovereign, has to deal with our issues. Hard reset, 2020, God is going to deal with your issues according to the law of eternity because we're eternal beings, because we have received eternal life in Jesus Christ. We have passed from death to life. We are now moving from mortality to immortality. We are in that spirit. It may not be showing up in our flesh, but it is certainly in our spirit, and we are blocking its maturation and its, its proliferation in our soul. So this is the law of God. This is not, I'm telling you, God is issuing a law to David. Well, somebody here. And he said, if he, he being Jesus and his progeny, write that in your Bible, if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men. You can't get out of stuff, can't get favor with the authorities, can't get favor with officials. You have breached your eternal and immortal law code. Wow. You have broken something that God needs you to fix, or you refuse to admit you broke it because you are hiding behind blame shifting, excuses, and explanations, and all sorts of self justification. This is Jesus' offspring. This is not Moses. This is Jesus' offspring. It says, he commits iniquity. I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. That's Bible. And that is not about the law of Moses. This is about the law of Christ. God gave Jesus Christ a law before he incarnated him. So in his pre-carnate state, God told Jesus how to handle the children he was going to bring, bring into existence as the sovereign of creation. Because, see, Jesus came to earth as a king, but not as the king of the earth. Oh, come on now. That's what he earned when he rose from the dead and ascended on high. And it was already decreed. So that is why when, when he shows up to John on the Isle of Patmos, he said, but I have the king of things. I open and no one shut, and I shut and no one opens. We want to say all of that and skip over this. So Jesus has an obligation to God to deal with your sin, to deal with your rebellion, and to deal with your resistance to his righteousness. 
And he says, but my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. He's telling David, you're going to live forever. You may leave this body, but before you, David, in front of you, my house will always stand. Because you will be in my eternal house, and you will be with your namesake on the throne. And then he, he goes on to say, I love this. He goes on to say, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak to David. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto, or brought me to this place? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house, because everybody knew a man and a woman were physical houses of future population. Hmm. For a great while to come, and is, the, and, and is this the manner of man, O Lord? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant. For thy word's sake, and according to thy own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore, thou art great. And he goes on and on and on and on. And you can read the whole thing. It's one of the first things God taught me that made me read and study when he started dealing with me about my future. Now, it's, it's, and, and I'm telling you, because it's important, and, I, and I've studied this, and, and, and if you read the various ways God got David to the throne, see, we don't teach that. We talk about kings and priests, and we say, oh, and we just, we're very presumptuous. We just assume, well, if God said it, then I accept it. If God said it, then it's nothing for me to do. Yes, there is, it's a lot for you to do. Quite a bit for you to do, to sit in the seat of sovereignty, to sit in the seat of rulership, to sit in the seat of government. First of all, you're going to have to accept that God said the government is upon Jesus' shoulders. Yeah. Not yours. But anyway, so in Psalm 89, I just want to make sure. Oh, here I am. So, and this here is all throughout the story. So, it starts here. I want to get this. Um, Matthew of Ethan, the Ezraite, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Now, this is down the line because God will keep raising a people to renew and ratify his covenant. Mm. When he raises up people who take you back to the Bible, that's a renewal and a ratification because all the people have, you know, fallen away. So there are people like me in the whole planet that God is bringing up, and he's bringing you back into his law and order. He's bringing you back into his government, back under his yoke of righteousness. And in order to do that, he has to take you back to where Satan wrenched you from. You all have been abducted from the word of God and abducted from his truth. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shall thou establish in the very heavens. Then say just the earth, in the heavens. I've made us in the heavens. I want you to catch that, because that goes right back to what I just read in first, I mean, Second Samuel seven twelve. He said, "I've made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever, and build up thy throne to all generations." It's from the heavens, because see, we are no longer earthly beings. We are beings of the household of faith of the God of heaven. 
Selah. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness also in the congregation of the saints. Not the saints on earth, the saints in heaven. How do I know that? Deuteronomy talks about the angels having saints. For who in the heaven can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened unto him? Sons of the mighty? In heaven. We have been brought into a powerful, powerful dynasty. We are literally that pedigree, and we are heavenly on purpose. We're not heaven bound only. We are heavenly. God's not waiting for you to get to heaven to get it right. Because if that's the case, you'll never get to heaven. Because they don't get it right there. They go there because they got it right. God is ready to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Do you understand? About him? We, we are really about God. We're not around. That means surrounding him. O Lord God of hope, who is a strong Lord like unto thee, or to thy faithfulness round about thee. And he goes on to give you all of the, the, the things. He says, thou rulest the raging of the sea. When the waves thereof arise, thou still them. Thou hast broken Rahab, which is Egypt, in pieces as one that is slain. Thou hast scattered thine enemies with thy strong arm. God's enemies. See, the problem is your friends are God's enemies. That's why you have Kanye on broadcast with folks pretending to be Christian. Come on. Because he who is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. So you defend it. Y'all, I mean, y'all defend Y'all defend these sinning um, celebrities who have to be inducted and have to be, uh, 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 what do you call it, empowered by devils. So you are the devil's friend. You like him. You don't realize that's what you're telling God, but that's what God is doing. You're, you're trying to be, you're doing your theological compassionate people. God is love. God is love, but that doesn't mean that God loves sin. God hates sin, and he will lovingly send sinners to hell, just like you lovingly throw your favorite sweater in the garbage when it's damaged. You do not hate that sweater when you throw it away. You, as a matter of fact, you cry a little bit. But you can't repair it. You can't repair it. So that is an that to give you a picture of it. God will look at these people. He'll look at their lost potential. He'll look at their sins against him. He'll look at the fruit of their life that he has to handle when they're gone. He will do all of that, and he will give them their heart's desire, and their heart's desire was not for him. You understand, people have to go to hell for the same reason you want to go to heaven. Because you want a way of life that doesn't end in death. And they want a way of death that doesn't compel them to God's life. It's a choice, not a chance. So God wants to do, you know, we're doing our, um, our webinar on Saturday, and you need to understand, because I know that, you know, a lot of you all listen to pastors teach the Bible. And a lot of them are good. I heard some that can lay it down, I'm telling you. But a pastor must be apostolic and prophetic to get the Bible right. Yeah. 
Evangelical pastors are wonderful, will get your soul saved, will get you from the, you know, into the church and get you settled in Christ, but they cannot make you understand God's issues with the things that they're excusing. <clears throat> so you have to recognize that there are a lot of permission these pastors gave that God never authorized. And your pastors gave it to you because they prefer to see you in the seat looking like a demon <laughs> than to look at the seat empty. <laughs> well, then that what they look like? Yeah. You're looking like a demon. You look like the you look like the spawn of Satan because <laughs> you're wearing, you're modeling his pedigree. His brand is seriousness. His brand is tattooing. His brand is nudity. His brand is lewdness. His brand is, is, is Rastafarianism. See, he has a brand. And you're modeling Satan's brand. So you really think that God wants you to bring that into his world when he got rid of it. Woe to the earth. For the devil has come down to you. He brought, God brought Satan, kicked Satan's culture out of his eternal realm. He kicked his culture out. He didn't just cast down the devil because culture is born in being. Can I, can I say? So I need you to understand that when, I, when people fuck with me, well, I just think that's religious. No, 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 baby, that's not religion. And let me tell you about religion. Religion actually means bound to the deity of your choice or the deity that begot you. So I should be religious, because I should be bound to Jesus Christ, because that is a deity that begot me. So I'm faithful. Religious means loyal. And that bond is the bond of loyalty, the bond of love. So I'm, I see, because a lot of those pastors talk to that. I sat down with some of these people. Yeah, but that's religious. See, but I was young. I ain't young. And I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't know I was talking to a devil. Oh, my. I didn't know I was talking to an apostate. I didn't know I was talking to a defector. Yeah. I did not know that I was talking to a devil agent. But I do now know. And I know not because I am all that. I know because I made myself available to this man who made me hear his heart, his soul, his history, and his destiny. See, you can, as long as you listen to somebody's slogans and you start running with, with, with slogans and, 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 and little uh, cliches, you will never, ever get God's issue. Because you think God is a lone ranger. That's why you think you can change his mind. That's why you think you can help him out when you get there. You think you can go and fix up what it is and, and, and let him see. Sin ain't that bad. Because you ever notice that, that apostate Christians keep trying to tell you how, how bad sin is not? Yeah. They keep trying to tell you, oh, no, sin's not that bad. Because, hey, look at me. I'm having fun. You're having fun, but you're breathing work. See, you look up at worms, a baby snake. See, your soul is breeding worms. You know, y'all know I read etymological dictionaries. I mean, I read them cover to cover. So I don't use words I don't know. I just got through reading one for 350 some pages. I now understand why they read my dictionary. I read them. 
And I start because I needed to know that. I realized how much the scriptures were literally rent and wrangled to serve the purposes of pastors who took the seat of the church's founders. So a lot of times where God said apostles, they inserted pastors. I'm just saying. So you can talk anytime somebody's going to tell you it's okay and God doesn't mind, you need to ask them, prove it, tell me. And they're going to say to you, Mom, listen, I've been doing it this long and nothing happened to me. Baby, you are not the end of your life. God is smart. God whoops you behind when you're old. You're going to have arthritis. You're going to have COPD. You're going to have blood disease. I'm telling you, you're drunk because God is going to let the worms you're breeding become your diseases. Because God is not mocked. When he said whatever a man sows, he shall reap, whatever someone sows, he means that. So right now, you're sowing what you're going to reap. And you got these, these, these happy times, cheerleading preachers talking about running around singing songs. It's hard this time. It's, yeah, it is. But you're not the only one that's going to get a heart. You're not the only one that's going to get a heart. Because God has a harvest time too. And if you read it, he keeps telling you, oh, I got a harvest time. Go get my people and then go carry up the, gather up the twigs, gather up the carrots, and throw them in the fire. So you're not the only one getting a harvest on your life. You might get a monetary harvest on your seed and summer, but you will certainly get a morality harvest on your living. It's his son. That's why Paul can say in Hebrews, because those of us who are standing in God's continuum, we don't break the continuum, and we don't insert in the continuum that which will break it and wrench you away from God's righteousness. So Paul says God chastens every son he receives. It's based on Second Samuel 7 and Psalm 89, among verses of them. So if God doesn't chasten you with feelings, I'm like, I got a scream. I don't go sick yet ever. Let me get some breath. Guys, let's have some coffee. This thing is all over me right now. I said, roach, I got a boat. Come on. You understand that if God chastens and feels the need to chasten everyone that comes into his church, into his son's body, how much more must he chasing you before he lets you into his world? God's got to beat the devil off of you and then beat him out of you. Oh, yeah. oh, and then he got to beat Jesus into you. <laughs> you understand? You need a three-fold rod. <laughs> <laughs> God's got to, yeah, he got to get a trident or something. <laughs> and so, and then he said, Justice and judgment are the habitation of that throne. Think about it, because bias, racial, prejudice, Christians have no place in God's world. Oh, my, my. Because he said justice and judgment are the habitation of his throne, not the gate, not the border, not the highway. So if you are going to use your royal pedigree to be bigoted, to be unjust, to be inequitable, you will do a great job on earth, but when you get in heaven, if God brings you there, depending on how severe, you will be part of the population, and you will be waiting in the back, because he, he does not want you 
to breathe that in his population. That's what Satan did. Lucifer bred the uncleanness that God had to deal with. So he says, and truth should go before thy faith. So you see, God is giving you the pedigree profile of his offspring. You know what I'm saying? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you might show them. <laughs> and then he said, now look at this. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sign. They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of thy countenance. In thy name shall they rejoice all the day. And in thy righteousness they shall be exalted. For thou art the glory of their strength and thy favor. And he goes on to say, the Lord is my defense. He tells you what he's going to do. And then he says, I like this, verse 20, I have found David my servant with my holy oil. Have I anointed him with whom my hand shall be established. My arm also shall strengthen him. The enemy shall not exact, I like this, exact upon him. That means permit, force him to pay or extort him. See, when you get to the point that you and God's righteousness come inside, God, that could say the enemy not going to run over Jesus. So when you start being the counterbalance to the Lord Jesus in the earth realm, then he goes, oh, Lord, I'm way on. I'm telling you. So now look at this. And he said, I will, will not exactly find him, nor the son of wickedness afflict him, and I will beat down his foes before his face and plague them that hate him, but my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him, and in my name shall his form or strength crown be exalted. I will set his hand also on the sea, in the sea and his right hand on the river. He shall cry out to me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Hebrews 1, okay, and Psalm 45. Also, I will make him my firstborn higher than the king of the earth. Who is Jesus? He's over every king of the earth. His throne is above all. His people need to get the news, get the news and surround his throne. Oh, uh, yeah. My mercy I will keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed, Jesus' seed, he was also meant to endure forever in his throne as the days of heaven. Anybody hear that? His throne, as the, and not the days of the earth. No, 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 no. As long as the heavens exist, Jesus Christ's throne will be the highest of all creation. It's his children. When it comes back, because this. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is not the law of Moses. It says, if his children forsake my law, and walk not in my judgment. If they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with strife. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. Mm. I need you to recognize something. This is not The law of Moses. This is not just about the Ten Commandments. I want you to hear me. This is so important. Your pastors, your modern teachers, your pagan preachers, 
your Jeroboam priests are lying to you because sin cannot dwell in God's presence. Your, uh, your righteousness has always been filthy wrath. And if your righteousness is literally indicting God's righteousness, then God has to ask for his own name's sake. You can say, Dr. Price, that's the Old Testament. No, it's not because it's over there in Romans 2. Come on now. Hebrews is throughout the scripture. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Why? Because he wasn't just talking about the law of Moses. He was talking about the law of God, the law of David. Because David has a law. It's the law of monarchy, the law of sovereignty. So he was not just talking about the law of Moses. And when, you know, I said to God, you know, God, uh, I, I, I couldn't even dream of doing it, but if I had an opportunity to write a Bible, I'm going to tell you, I would write a lot of things, R-I-G-H-2s that are in there, and I would make better distinctions. Because they, the reason that they use what we call words universally is to confuse the issue. So when Jesus says, my law, I did not come. He said, because my law supersedes Moses' law. My law supersedes Moses' law because it predated Moses' law. I'm going to need you to get up here so we can finish up. I'm telling you. And so when I, when I studied this, and God said, you need to understand that the law of the kingdom, come on in here. I know, I'm, I just wait. I'm okay. <laughs> but when I, when you recognize that there is a law, like we have different laws. We have municipal law, don't we? And then we have civil law. And then we have federal law. We have state law. And so when you start bashing the law of God, you need to determine what law that is because the word, the all-encompassing word law could apply to a lot of things. There's a law of nature. There is natural law. And when you study law, it tells you all of those things. So when you deal with God's law, you have to find out if you're not dealing with the law of mortals or the law of immortals. Because the angels can't that God can't change them. They can't be a new creation because creaturehood is spiritual. You're either going to be the original or you're going to be the imprisoned. So you need to get very clear on that. I'm going to let you go first and, you know, you want to stand and just take it. Ooh, you don't have a blue one today. You don't have no blue. You probably go back here. Yeah, I don't have to look at the other page, too. Uh, this is really powerful. We don't hear I don't think we hear the law from this perspective. Um, so I think that this is really important, just especially in the, the culture that we're in right now where we want to back away from words like being religious. I saw something um, the, other, the other day uh, on Facebook about that, about, you know, how God uh, shuns religiosity and, and all those different things. And your perspective on that is, I think is really unique. Uh, but I like what you talked about in terms of um, – David having concern for God, and that was what God made, what moved God concerning mm-hmm. David, because we do talk about that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. 
that David was a man after God's own heart. But what that looked like and what that meant, I think that that word concern is really important uh, because we're kind of doing our own thing um, and expecting that that's fine with God and that he wants us to do that. Doing that under the name of liberty yeah. rather than thinking about what God needs and how to meet his needs as his people, um, which I think is the damage that Seeker Friendly really did do yeah. to us. I don't think we understood the magnitude at the time of what Seeker Friendly, that Seeker Friendly movement was going to be. Mm-hmm. Because we knew, it's like, you know, I, we talked about this on Sunday, even like the, the pillars of the church knew that it was damaging, but but at that time, I don't know that everybody understood how, you know, and how damaging that would be to what God was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was really powerful, um, and you distinguishing between the law of God and the law of Moses, um, and the fact that we are still subject to a law, because I think that that misunderstanding that now in the, in the new covenant, right, that we are not subject to any law, but that we still must answer to the law of God, and that discussion about the, the fact that Jesus must still judge us yeah. according to our acts. Again, there's so many things I could pull out, but I see that that's very powerful for us to understand that we're getting it wrong in God, and we don't know why. We don't know that we're getting it wrong. Yeah. You know, So you hear a message like this, and you're thinking, I'm getting things wrong in God. I did not know that. So I think it's really powerful what you're saying. Well, I appreciate it. I'm going to do more of that because I've been researching the root of law anyway. And law is, like I said, laws are the preferences and the decisions and the ideology of a king, of a sovereign. That's why the laws of America keep changing with who is in the street. You know, and which is why we need the Constitution because of the variableness and the fluctuations of the human experience and the human mind, as well as his whims. We are literally, the laws that we're, we're having imposed on us now are waiting. Yes. They don't serve anybody's, uh, any national purpose, but they serve the purpose of destabilization. These are whimsy laws. And they're the whimsy of demons. Because that's Jesus' is spirit, he's spirit, so there you go. So we have to be very concerned about what we accept about law. So when I researched it, law goes all the way back, and when it goes back to the shot, it meant loyalty to the king. So laws are statements or definitions of loyalty that sovereigns set in place to keep their rule and keep them in power. So when you say you are lawless, you're saying I am disloyal, to my sovereign, I'm going to break the laws that have kept my country all these years so that I can put whimsy in its place. Because you're talking about people having protests on things they've never studied. We've allowed ignorance and naivety to take up the staff and mantle of emotionalism and to use it to club intelligence to death. So emotionalism is the cudgel against intelligence and thoughtfulness. That's what it is. So when we think about it, I want to talk about this because you understand in the Bible we have got to figure out what is the global, what the thronal law of Christ is versus the royal law of Christ, which is a realm, and the word royal means rule. And, and how that royal 
you know, we're just taking one piece and running with it. But how that royal realm rules this realm, we have to figure that out. Well, when Prophet Eddie was speaking about the lawsuits, you know, we can say the United States, because we always say we're free in Jesus, you know, he came, said he kept free and everything, and we run that all the way over a cliff. Well, we are a free nation. Mm-hmm. We're a free country. Yeah. That doesn't mean we don't have a constitution and prisons and court systems and punishments and law enforcement officers. In fact, that's what preserves all of our freedom. Which is why that is what the, the, the adversaries of our Constitution want to freak. The law binds criminal, it binds criminality, the law binds injustice and inequity, the law binds anything that would destroy the nation. That's why we have laws. So when God talks about the law of Christ, it is Jesus Christ's job to do what Satan failed at, and that is to keep his kingdom, his realm, intact. When you read what he did to God, and you realize that he had a whole campaign that was meant to destabilize the realm and to populate his ideology and to populate his purpose. So when we talk about the kingdom, that's what we're saying. Did you want to say something else? I mean, just something else. Oh, sure. When you said that 2020 is the replacement of the placeholders. That's it. Over, over. I'm going to be kind of distilling, dripping out words for 2020 because it's the hard reset. And the hard reset is not just going to be the church. Uh-huh. So we need to realize it because, see, the hard reset is for Jesus Christ. He's not just the Savior. We just saw Jesus Christ, Davidic reign, is taking the reins of power from the forces of darkness. He's doing this. And it won't be for three months, six months, and years, and years. It's going to be for decades, if not centuries. Because, see, God is too big to do something for a snack. He's just too big, you know? I mean, when God wants to do something, he has to do it in mass. Because it has to fill his whole body. Before it fills the body of Christ, it's got to permeate his entire body, his entire being. So wherever he is, which is everywhere, it's got to happen. So it's going to happen secularly. I don't care about the prophecy of the media. I don't care about their prognosticators. I don't care about any of that. Just like God doesn't. God is like... I owe my son, and if I have to tear all of y'all down to give him what I promised him, I will tear you down. Trust me. And you need to understand again, Satan's so work for me. His job is to gather the unbelievers for God, from God and separate the unbelievers from the believers. That's his job. That's why you hear these preachers come up, well, I'm no longer a prophet. You never were. But you were in a seat illegally. And now God is forcing you to vacate those seats because the righteous are ready. So you have to recognize God, the reset, will also reseat. I don't care what the devil says. God did not take all that he did to put this man in power. And I speak to Donald Trump today. If he never hears it, I'm speaking to the angels that guard him. 
God did not put all of that in power for this man to do a short thing. And if he stands, he's going to see the mighty hand of Almighty God. But Jesus, he defended. He's going to see the hand of God. And God's hand is going to be on it. I promise you, God is going to re- re- literally rekindle this man. He's going to rejuvenate him. Not because of who he is. God is not even dealing with his grumpy spirit, although a grump, a mean nation needs a grump leader. That's the way it goes. So God, he is a perfect man for the job. And so I'm telling you, as the voice of the Almighty, as a prophet of God, I'm telling you, God's not backing down. And I'm telling you, I don't care if he has to raise this man up every day and minister to him the way he ministered to Jesus after his 40-day fast. This man will shock you because God's not done. Remember, God had an Abraham. Abraham was 100 years old. God had an Abraham. You know, God had a Zachariah. God had a David. I want you to understand, and God's got a Jesus. God had a Paul. God had a John. And I want you to understand by the word of the Holy Ghost, God's got a Donald Trump. Now back down off of that. And I command every devil is moving this machine against him. I command you by the word of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lord Almighty, I commission you to stand down and pull back your hand. You will not do this because God's got a generation that he wants and God's got a people that he wants. And he said, I'm not finished with America. So I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much clout you have. You don't rule heaven and earth. And my understanding is that Jesus Christ is higher than all the kings of the earth. And he said to Satan, stand down. In Jesus' name. Back down. You cannot do it because it's not your time. We put a moratorium on you by the Holy Ghost. And the heavenly host on your planet is going to see to the will of God. These angels are not afraid of them. You need to recognize that. God said, I rule devil. I run devil. Devils don't run me. I run devil. That's how I ran them out of my land. That's how I ran them out of my realm. Because I run them. So somebody needs to let y'all know I'm obliterating the lie. Because this is the lying spirit. This is an illusion. And it's a, an illusion of untruth. So that you can be destabilized. Y'all Christians walking around. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know. I don't care what Donald Trump does. Because Donald Trump is in the hand of the Lord. But guess what? So is Satan. So they'll meet up, and God will do what God does. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world invaded twelve therein. I'm, I'm on the Lord's side, and whenever God wants something, he will do it. Jesus Christ has broken the time-space continuum to be in this realm, and you all are going to meet him because he's going to show up to different people. And, you know, he, comes, he doesn't come like he did as a sacrifice. He did not, he's not coming to die. He's coming to reign. And Paul said, you, will, you may have saw him in weakness, but you will know him thus no more. I'm telling you. And he's going to start breathing on you Christians while you sleep. He's going to start breathing on you. He's going to touch you. You're going to feel not just hear the lion roar. You're going to feel his fall. You're going to feel his breath on you. God's going to breathe into you his life. I promise you by the Holy Ghost. Because if God is true, let every man be a liar. And I'm telling you, because this is important. I'm decreeing, I'm prophesying, but I'm decreeing, but I'm also reporting the news from on high. The devil's time is over. God has put a moratorium on him. Now, he's going to try to kick up, and you better know this word. He does not have a right. The enemy will not afflict him. The wickedness shall not exact upon him. Don't you want to undertake this thing in fear. You're going to quote that word and decree that word. 
And I do want to thank all of you who have been sowing to me faithfully. faithfully. And I want to bless you. I bless your seed. I bless the harvest, the monetary harvest. But I also bless a family harvest. I bless the professional harvest. I bless the harvest. Attached to me is scripture, organic culture, modified Christianity. Every Everybody that God calls to ignite the next thing he's doing Get a treasury. We have an economy. There's a dispensation. And it's because of that that your seeds will bear fruit with us. And the people who have come here can talk to you about our so-called dispensation. It is rich. It is abundant. And God is lavishing it on those people who have become part of it. That's the one thing. The other thing I'd like to say is when you come, you need to be here in November so that you can become anointed for the hard reset, so you can be anointed for 2020, and you need to bring your people. Now, I know some of y'all are like, I watch television, but you have not seen me on television, and ain't nobody on television doing what I'm doing right now. Hello! And you know why? Because I'm the beginning. See, now, in a bit, it's going to be great, but I'm the beginning right now. So you need to be at peace with the fact that you're not finding me everywhere. You will soon, and I will be reproducing after my own kind, as leaders do. But you need to be here so you can get anointed. I stunned them the last time because I came down at 8 o'clock in the morning, and I anointed people left, right, north, and south. People were falling on over each other. God was moving. I want you to understand this because I don't care what the old is doing. The old has passed away. And God has moved the angels. He has moved the ministers. And he has moved the economy. Those are the three ways God Shut down a move. So I don't care what it looks like. Well, so and so got a lot of numbers. A lot of numbers with folks. A lot of numbers with little people. A lot of big numbers with few folks. I don't care about that. I'm telling you, the angels of the old are gone, which is why you are struggling. So you need to find out what the new God is. We'll talk about that in a pop up. Until then, see you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God sings. Where 8 o'clock Sunday goes, 7 o'clock meets. And we don't know what else is going to happen between them. Have a great weekend. Again, I bless your harvest, bless your giving, bless your seed. And I want each one of you who have kids that are in your reach today, make this the weekend that you kiss them and hug them. Because I promise you, they need it. God bless. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.